We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The following podcast is a TJ DeSantis production. Comments, questions, and inquiries can be sent to DeSantisProd at gmail.com. It's time! With Bruce Buffer. And now, it's time for the voice of mixed martial arts. We are it's Bruce Buffer. Bruce Buffer. From the shores of Malibu, where the waves are pumping, to the Great Wall of China, and back to the streets of London, England, where the UFC is coming. We are live. This is It's Time Radio, the show where we talk about what you think about but may be afraid to voice. Do not worry. We will voice it for you. We talk about everything on his time, current events, President Trump, film, TV, sex, drugs, rock and roll. You name it, we talk about it. It's No Holes Barred Radio. We're here with a very excellent show today. We have a special guest coming on in the great uh, UFC fighter in the making named Brian Ortega off his grand performance last Saturday night at UFC 222. Before we go into the show, though, I dedicated USC 222 last Saturday to a very, very special man, a man I worked with for 20 years, our director of the UFC shows, Bruce Connell. Bruce Connell was an amazing human being, a motivator to me, my director. He goofed on me every chance he could get to maybe put me off pace at times when I was working, which I totally appreciated. But we became friends and we worked together as brothers. And Bruce Connell's passing, sudden passing, may I say, has affected many of us in the USC organization. It was a very um, important day for us to honor him, and I wish to honor him with this show, too. With that being said, Bruce, my condolences, my best wishes, and my love go to your family and loved ones. May you rest in peace. Before we bring on Brian Ortega, TJ, please, I would like to have a moment of silence on It's Time Radio to honor my friend, my work brother, Bruce Connell. It's time to begin! <laughs> Who am I kidding? I'll let him do it. It's time! Now, back to the voice of MMA. And now we have a very special guest on the show, a man who is proving himself to be an ultimate warrior in the UFC octagon, proving himself by beating the legend Frankie Edgar last week and here on It's Time Radio this week, none other than Brian Ortega. Hi, Brian. How are you? Hey, what's up, Bruce? I'm doing good, man. I'm just uh, still kind of soaking it all in. At, you know, you put it perfectly, soaking it all in, Brian. And again, congratulations. Your performance is absolutely stellar. 
over the the great, you know, and I call him a legend, Frankie Yeager, because he is. He is a uh, I call him a legend too. Absolutely, and like we talked about on TMZ when we were on it together last week, you know, the the old great line: you have to to become a legend, you have to beat a legend. Obviously, that doesn't make you a legend now, but you're on the way, the way you're rolling. You're one of the few undefeated fighters in the toughest proving ground for warriors in the world, which is the UFC octagon. And when you say absorbing and taking it in, what's it like now, Brian? Are you still like in cloud nine or have you come down yet? Is it like believable, unbelievable dreams come true? How, how do you feel exactly right now? I mean, I just feel like everything happened so fast, you know, like just taking the fight on short notice. And then, and then really I just put all my time into training and then the fight was the fight and, it ended pretty quick, and then it's like, boom, life changed. So it's, it's a little, yeah, I'm trying to adapt to it and, and trying to just, like I said, just stay grounded and, and pretty much hold on to, to the friends that have been there from the beginning and, and kind of just keep hold on to them tight still and let them know I'm some, believe me, nothing's changed. Exactly. You know, that's one thing that, you know, I, a lot of people appreciate about you. Uh, I call you my friend, but I appreciate appreciate this about you very much. Your team, Black Belt Surfing, everybody on your team, you hold them close. They stay behind you. They support you. Uh, it's one of the finest groups I've seen in the fighting groups that I've had the pleasure and honor of meeting working in the Octagon. I love watching you guys interact and everything goes with it. And, you know, that's a compliment to all your friends and the, and the men that I know, too. I just want to say, you know, Brian, you're a finisher. There's no question that you are a finisher. You've had... Uh, total of, uh, you know, all your fights, three, if I'm not mistaken, it would probably be four knockouts now, seven by submission and four by decision. Um, being undefeated and walking in, do you feel any pressure before you walk into your fights? You haven't fought for the championship yet, which I know that I heard yesterday that Dana White has definitively said you will be fighting Max Holloway for the title. Is that correct? One, it's 100% correct. He gave me a call. And uh, I talked to him on the phone, and he told me, he goes, hey, Brian, just want to let you know you're positively 100%. You're getting that shot. And I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> like, let's do it. That's amazing. Did he give you any idea when this is going to happen? Are we talking about the Big July show, or what does he think? Yeah, we're talking the Big July show, and he said International Fight Week would be the biggest event that we can put that on. But it all, but I was thinking about it, and I don't really know how Max Holloway's foot is doing, so... Um, yeah, I just have to wait to, to pretty much get the confirmation from both sides and then something cracking, but I don't really care when, when it happens, uh, where it happens. I'm just happy to have this shot now. Right. Anybody, anywhere, anytime. Right, Brian. That's uh, that's a motto. I think for one of the new BBS shirts, <laughs> yeah. it worked out really well. Black Listen, belt T surfing, baby. Black belt <laughs> surfing. I, you know what, TJ, I was probably three years ago give or take, that Brian, Alan, James, they all honored me with uh, one of the black belt, actually two or three of the black belt surfing T-shirts. I love these T-shirts so much because I'm so proud to wear them because, A, I can proudly say I'm a black belt. B, I can proudly say I'm a surfer, surfing since I was 15. Uh, you know, whether I'm out in the water as active as I used to be or not, the bottom line is I take great pride in both those things. I wear that shirt with so much pride, and a lot of times you see me on Instagram or whatever, and I got to admit, I've had that shirt on a lot in those pictures. It just happens that way. <laughs> Bro, trust me. I was like, when, when you first put that on, I was stoked, man. I was like, man, like, that was so dope, dude. And then now it's like, we love, we love it when you wear it. And trust me, bro, you're the real, you're the real black belt surfer. So 
I appreciate the people who really are the black belt surfers wearing. Exactly. I'll consider myself an honorary member of the team, but that'll be consummated the moment that we all paddle out in the water together, no matter how big or how small. And that will take place in the near future. We got to come surf, man. Let's go surf. We'll go to to your spot. We'll come up to our spot. It is the plan. It will be done. I promise. I live for it. I'm getting ready for it. Trust me. One of the things about your fighting now, Brian, you are a jujitsu expert. You're a jujitsu black belt. Um, you uh, basically won this fight against Frankie with your striking, which really set it off with that elbow that you hit him with. Uh, that's you know really started the process. When you finish your fights, do you get more pleasure out of submission or out of knockout, or does it really make any difference? It doesn't make to me. It doesn't really make a difference. Uh, it really, how do I say? It? It's almost like a kid with two parents, right? You have your mom and your dad, and that's how I feel like I have Henry and I have James. So <laughs> it's just like which parent's going to have uh, a bigger smile on their face that night. And uh, that night was James Larson with, with Coach James Larson with his boxing skills, you know? And, uh, right. So it's either Henry Gracie with, with the submissions or it's, it's uh, Coach James as in terms of, uh, you know, striking. But for me, I'm happy that I got out there in one piece. I wasn't injured. Frankie wasn't injured as well. And that, that, that's what I was happy about. You know, first round, quick fight. No one's really injured. And we got to go home to our, to our families and friends. Hey, Brian, you mentioned Henry Gracie. Uh, if this were the late 90s, uh, I think that the UFC would almost be calling you Brian Gracie in the octagon. <laughs> We've wanted that next Gracie to come in and dominate. And when we look at your lineage, I mean, you're, you're as close as – you get they they brought that up on the uh broadcast uh, your your history is, is is very good it's it's not far removed from Elio um do you do you like being that Gracie representative do you feel honor uh having that Gracie name attached to you or or is it something that uh adds more pressure at all no not at all man i feel like i am with anyone especially my training partners and coaches there's never no pressure um especially because, like I said, Henry took me in when I was 13 years old and, and really just, I'm, I'm an adopted, you know, I'm like an adopted Gracie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and that's always been the case. And we even growing up in the Academy, like, you know, like they're, they are my big brothers when I'm, when I'm in there, like, you know, literally big brothers, like he don't still bullies me and chokes me out. And, you know, so like Henry, Henry's more like, Chokes me out in a playful way, and I mean, they're they're at the end of the day, they're big brothers, and to be able to be representing the, the Gracie lineage, the lineage through through me, it's I mean, I take great honor, great pride, but uh, yeah, man, it just feels good to show the new generation as in terms of uh, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu because I know for a while there it was dead, and now I brought it back to life in my own way, you know, through through my boxing coach and everything too. I uh, was listening to an interview that Brendan Schaub did last week on the MMA Hour, and he shared a story about Henner Gracie coming to your your house and and making sure that you were going to come back to gym. And I think the story goes: your father said that you guys didn't have enough money, and and he comped you. If that story is in fact accurate, what would have happened if Henner didn't come to your house and get you back in the gym? Where would Brian Ortega be today? No, Henner didn't come to my house. So what happened was we came to the academy. And we told after my year was up because my dad took a big risk and paying one full year and kind of got chewed out by my mom. (laughs) And so 
yeah, my dad was working overtime that full year. So by the end of that full year, he was not, you know, we couldn't afford it, you know. And uh, so we went to the academy and told Henner, hey, man, I'm going to have to can't, like, just want to let you know that I'm not going to be here anymore because we can't afford it. And that's when he told us, hey, man, it's all right. Like, let me take care of it from here. And that's, that. I mean, that's where I was blessed. But if I wouldn't have uh, never had that opportunity, I could honestly say I wouldn't. I'd either be in jail or I'd be somewhere else right now if they're no good. Well, you know, that says a lot for Henner. It says a lot for you. And also at the age of 17 when Henner found you, that's the around the same period that you met your boxing coach, James uh, Lurson, if I'm saying James's last name correct, you know, working on yeah, your James striking Lurson. skills. So together with the team now, because you're basically, let's see, you were born in 91, which means, I'll do the math real quick, pardon me, uh, 27 now, Brian? Yeah. Yeah, so 27, young, in your prime, entering your prime in, you know, the greatest fighting sport in the world. So now, after coming off the beating of Frankie Edgar, getting ready for when the call comes, knowing you're going to face Max Holloway, you've got a bright future. You came off a reported salary of $200,000. Plus, I think, didn't you get the bonus that night, last Saturday? Yeah. So you got you know the paydays are getting nice. They're only going to get bigger. There's so much in the future. Uh, here's what I respect and love about Brian TJ, aside from his being a warrior and going in again, anyone, anytime, anywhere, you are, you have a big heart, Brian. You come from a situation, you're, you're of Mexican descent. You were born in Los Angeles. You grew up in, in section eight housing project in San Pedro and you have a charity. I want to know about your charity because you say you want to give back. And I, I know you do. I can see it. And you want to make the world a better world. Tell us the name of your charity and exactly what the charity is about right now and what your plans are for the future, because I find this very interesting, and I love it. Absolutely, man. We'd love to share. Um, it's called the Brian Ortega Foundation, and right now we're, because I was setting this up before the, before the Frank Yeager fight happened, I didn't really get to structure it 100% to, to how I wanted it. I wanted to have some time to really structure it, but we had to just press the fast forward button and go, but the plans still stay the same and everything is 100% coming along. We have what's called a T-City scholarship right now where I'm going to sponsor kids from the age of 6 to 16 to have one full free year of training and just see where it goes and film it a little bit. And, and we have a whole pretty much process of how they can do that. They go to graceuniversity.com and slash Brian Ortega Foundation and there's steps there that you can take. And we're going to not only cater to people here, but using – Pretty much, Henner and I using like the you know the, the gyms he has all over the world. We're gonna have them be near CTC, and near that CTC they can train there. So right now I'm gonna start giving out T City scholarship and visiting kids at the hospitals here in LA, and hopefully travel and get some more connections with different type of hospitals and go in there and just show some love and support. And once hopefully the people see that the ball is rolling, then we start catering to other different types of situations, not just kid, but there's other people out there that need help. So, um, you know, we have to take the first steps in order to go somewhere. Otherwise we go nowhere. So these are the first steps that we're going to take to gain some attention from people. And once they see everything I'm doing, I feel like they'll hop on board more and, uh, then we can just continue on. And for me, this is something I'm passionate about. And I mean, the, you know, the options and the, and the things we have are amazing, you know, and, Mm -hmm. so many examples and things that we can do that 
I'm just going to try to do them all, you know, help homeless, help people who are in trouble. I mean, there's so many routes to helping people. And because people will always have problems and be in situations, we will always be able to be there and help. You know, good for you, Brian. This is this is what life is all about. It's not just taking and receiving. It's about giving. And here you are, you know, in one of the toughest jobs anyone can imagine in life, and you're willing to give back like that. If in the future with your organization I can ever be of service to you with a video, you know, uh, announcing something for you for what's happening, if you go visit uh, a hospital here or children here in L.A. and I'm free and you want to make it, you know, something really big, don't ever hesitate to call me if I can be of any service. Uh, and offer my, you know, video or audio service to share. Yeah, I, this is something that I love, man. This is so, I, honestly, I'm. I don't really care about the fight. I'm more overwhelmed with the people that are just like what you said. You know, people that are just well known, saying, "Hey, I want to help out." That, that's something that for me, I don't care about the fighting. This means more to me than that. And uh, you know, it, it's just I'm mind blown by that, and I'm I'm thankful and happy, and thank you for saying that, man. My, my pleasure, Brian. I meant every word of it. Now, you know, again, at 27, being young, a man, a young man, that's only proper to say that, was so much ahead of you, both in your career and in life itself. You're starting to make the good bucks. It's going to become the big bucks, and it's going to happen quickly. When I say quickly, over the next couple of years, and I would love to see you make as many millions as you possibly can make with the attitude and what your outlook on life is. <clears throat> With that saying, you know, thinking past the guns, thinking past the the right, the left fist, and all the weapons you carry as a human being and a mixed martial arts fighter, what are your plans when fighting stops? I mean, you've got, I got to say it, Brian, and, 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 and the girls that I know that see you, um, I've had more than a few say, who is that handsome Brian Ortega? You've got like movie star looks. And does this interest you at all? Does the entertainment interest, uh, area interest you at all for a future um, or commentating. 100%. There we you go. Know, I feel like <laughs> 100% acting and everything is something that I've always, uh, you know, wanted to do, and especially, uh, you know, LA, Hollywood. And my little brother wants to be an actor too. So I feel like uh, there's a big, there's, there's something bigger after fighting, I feel that's going to happen for me. And I feel like with, the Brian Ortega Foundation is going to keep always going on. I'm always going to be teaching and, and doing jiu-jitsu seminars because I feel jiu-jitsu and training is something that people need in their lives and acting and everything together. That other, other, like you said, the, the, the possibilities and, and opportunities are, are amazing. And uh, I want to see how I do in them. Absolutely. Now, haven't you stepped into the world of commentating recently? Didn't you get out there and do some commentating, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, I've been I've been doing the UFC Now shows and, and did some Spanish commentating and some English commentating. And uh, I loved it. I liked it. That's something that for sure uh, catches my interest. And uh, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to see, man. You know, I, I used to just look, have my blinders on and say I'm just a fighter. But now the options are really opening up. I think you're much more than a fighter. You're a cerebral fighter, and you're proving it by everything you're talking about on the show today. The opportunities for you are endless, Brian. Obviously, you've got a very long career, as long as you wish, to go to war inside the octagon for yourself. You're going to fight for the championship. May the best man win that night. It'll be incredible. 
to watch the belt, you know, put around you. I have to say, may the best man win because I'm unbiased in my analysis, but you know how much I appreciate everything you do. And I think your future is golden. I, I can't wait. This is one of the, this was what drives me, Brian. I've been in this game for 22 years. I've met every warrior you can possibly imagine that you've seen on TV. I've made some great friendships out of that. But to watch somebody as upstanding as you with the mind and the, and the fortitude looking into the future that you have, it's going to be a true pleasure to watch you as you mature as a man and as a fighter and as a businessman, as an actor and everything you're going to do in your life. And this is something that keeps me going. So thank you. Thank you for keeping my fire lit by being the person that you are. And I'm always in your corner. Love announcing you. Your team is great. Always good when we get together. And I just, I just can't thank you enough, Brian, because, again, this is important to me, too, to have upstanding role models in the making who are currently acting as such in our great sport. That's what we need. We need more. And you're a prime example. So thank you very much for that. Hey, vice versa, man. Thank you, because I know we had some talks outside, and I know I've always appreciated everything that you've ever said to me on the outside in terms of trying to guide me and everything, because I'm, I'm, I'm here in unknown waters, you know, so whenever, you know, people like yourself who, who try to guide me and, and help me in the right way, who has a good heart, I uh, definitely take those words in and, and, and learn from it and try to follow, you know. I, I'm a good listener. You got it, Brian, and that's key. A good listener is key. Um, that's all I can tell you. And thank you for those kind words. And just know that I'm a phone call away if you ever need it. Always there. Always there. Brian, I mean, are you going to, are you, are you, thank you, sir. And you're welcome. Are you, uh, right now, is it, is it training? You're taking some time off. You're relaxing during the week. Have a little partying, Brian Ortega style, a little surf. What, what do you do after your fights? Yeah, I'm already at coach's house, man. He's on, he's already on me. So we're going to go, <laughs> we're going to train right now. And he gave, luckily he gave me three days off and, uh, now we're back training and um yeah but for sure training's gonna be a little bit not gonna be as crazy but we're gonna still cheap training and still watch my foods and my diets a little bit so i don't go overboard and surfing i have to go surfing that's the main thing i heard i heard the waves are kind of picking up i don't know if it's true or not and if it's not then i'm gonna see if i can convince james to let me go somewhere where there's waves well, I hope you get there and get in Poseidon's play field and have a great time. Brian, thanks for coming on the show. Again, can't thank you enough. Go get your training done. Go say hi to the boys for me. I will see you soon. And uh, all the best, Brian. I'm proud of you, my man. I'm so proud of you. Thank you, my bro. All right. You take care, brother. Mahalo. I will. Thank you. Take care now. Brian Ortega may be the future featherweight champion. We shall see. It's... Uh... It's interesting. He's such a huge surfer, and he's going to be fighting a Hawaiian and, and Max Holloway. I don't know if Max surfs. I mean, I would assume, but I don't want to make any stereotypes about, like, all Hawaiian surfing. But uh, I wonder who's the better surfer. Yeah, you know, it would be interesting to know. That would actually make for some good marketing up to their fight, you know, when you consider it. You know, think about it now. It's like uh, we should I, – I wonder if we're going to have a show in Hawaii. I mean, we've got the personalities building to, to sell out yeah. wherever it's – from what I hear, the logistics, and, and you may know more than, than I, um, the the arena that is over there, the Neil Blaisdell uh, arena, isn't necessarily big enough to make the money off of the gate uh, that would be required, essentially, to make the show make sense uh, on the ground. You have to ship everything over there. It's not all that easy. Um, the arena is not necessarily up to size for you know, say what a, a an event would require if Max Holloway was fighting and defending his title in his home state. Uh, I hear there are a lot of issues there that would force it essentially to Aloha Stadium, 
but you know better than anybody what happens every day in Hawaii. I'll tell you exactly what happens, you know, because I've done shows at both. Right. I've done many shows. I did a lot of Rumble on the Rocks. I did a K-1 at Aloha Stadium that was in conjunction with Rumble on the Rock. Right. I love going to Hawaii and doing fights. Why? I can surf in the morning, put on a tuxedo at 2 in the afternoon or whatever, and get over to the stadium. So right. it's, a, it's, it's nirvana for a guy like me. As it would be for Brian, probably, to hit the water in the morning and then go out and hit whatever he hits when he gets in the octagon, so or whoever he hits. Right. Bottom line is, Blaisdell sits at... Um, can handle maybe in the area of 6,000, 5,500 right. to 6,500, if my memory serves me correct. Which, if the UFC hits Hawaii, it's going to be double that, triple that, four times oh, that they, maybe. Well, Hawaii is a huge haven for MMA. It's a huge haven for jiu-jitsu. I remember when I was surfing on the North Shore years ago, and I got out, and I'm drenched. I'm in a bathing suit, and the lifeguard starts yelling, look, it's Bruce Buffer. You know, that's how, They just love it over right, there. They, right. they love UFC. They are so, the target market. They are. So now the thing with Aloha Stadium, when we did the show, uh, the K-1 combo there, mm-hmm. it did rain as yep. it does in tropical areas, and it rained briefly. It'll rain for 20 minutes, and right. then it'll disappear and be sunny as, as sunny can be. That's a jeopardizing situation mm-hmm. to a televised event. So that is the issue, the only issue. Otherwise, it'll sell. People will come from every island to get over there. Um, I can't wait. It's got to happen. It's going to happen. I'm sure it will. Brian Ortega is a current example of the future of MMA. Oh, and he, again, he, he's the epitome of why I like mixed martial arts, Bruce. Not only because his personality, he's a caring gentleman, kind soul, um, but you know he he encompasses what it is to be a mixed martial arts fighter in and out of the cage. He, he's he's a lifestyle brand as well as he is a, a sporting brand, and I find his true thoughts and opinions on life in general to be as entertaining and as exciting as his fighting style. But but getting back to why Brian Ortega to me is everything that you would want from, you know, potential champion or poster boy is he is a very exciting fighter. Again, we talked about him being a jujitsu player. Yes, his main art is jujitsu, but if you, you know, rest on the fact that he, you know, only has a submission game, you'll be sleeping because of his hands. And, and uh, what he did to Frankie Edgar, the first guy to stop Frankie Edgar. I mean, that I, I know Frankie is is, you know, maybe towards the tail end of a Hall of Fame uh, career. But what Brian Ortega was was able to do, uh, a few guys, mainly Gray Maynard, came close to doing, but was unable to do so and was also unable to do so despite almost putting him out, came back to lose their third fight, draw in their second fight. Frankie Edgar is no joke, and honestly, uh, Brian Ortega solved the answer. The boxing and wrestling skills of Frankie Edgar, you mentioned uh, Maynard, you know, his wrestling skills matched up against Frankie's. The boxing and wrestling skills and total MMA skills of Frankie Edgar were completely diffused within three minutes by Brian Ortega. And like you said, that's something nobody has been able to do. And when you watched when Frankie, and I'm a huge Frankie Edgar fan, as you know, when you watch Frankie come in for the strikes, the head movement, and, you know, I say this about a lot of fighters, uh, no, a few fighters particularly, excuse me, the term cool cat. Right. The resting heartbeat of Brian Ortega would be very interesting to know when he fights, as I'm interested to know about other cool cat fighters that come in, his ability to just dodge the fist and the head movement, the, the missing. The, I was just, I was so overly impressed, not that I was expecting anything different by what I saw. And 
I, like I said, I meant what I said. Yeah. It's guys like him after 22 years in this industry of mixed martial arts and the UFC. It's guys like him that fuel my fire. And I had, I have to thank sure. him because I, I love that. I, I love that. I love that you describe him as a cool cat because it, it was that cool factor. And by that, I mean, his, his calm demeanor in the fight that ultimately won the fight for him because Frankie, while he never had a chance really to recover, Guys like, I no offense to Gray Maynard, who, again, is an all-time great in the UFC, but when, when Gray Maynard had him hurt in two fights, uh, he, he kind of got frantic and frenetic with his, his pace. That wasn't the case with Ortega. Ortega had Frankie hurt, and he, he let Frankie come towards him. He was backing up. I mean, the fact mm-hmm. that Frankie was, was the aggressor while he was hurt really played in to Brian's calm demeanor because if you look at the uppercut, that ended the fight, Frankie's pressing forward, and that's where Ortega cut the angle and, and hit him with one of the most beautiful uppercuts you'll see in combat sports this year. Uh, if he got frantic at all and met Frankie in kind, you know, maybe maybe that opens up a clinch opportunity for Frankie. And again, I mean, if he got a takedown on Brian Ortega, it's not like he's in a much better situation. I don't know what is worse, being rocked and, and on the feet with Brian Ortega or being rocked in this man's closed guard. Um, but the bottom line is Ortega, in, in his calm demeanor when he had his opponent hurt, which I'm sure he was very excited during that time, uh, the fact that he was able to control that enthusiasm and that aggression is what ultimately uh, yielded him the stoppage. Absolutely. And one of the other key things is, and this applies to the jab as well as the uppercut that, that uh, Brian threw, um, for those of people out there and our listeners internationally that are fighters or have had fighting experience, you'll understand. For those that don't, I want to explain something. The amount of power that you need to put into an uppercut, much less a jab, when your opponent is coming into you, is not a power punch. It's a punch that has power behind it, but the force with the body weight of your opponent coming into you makes it and turns it into a power punch because you're dealing with force against force. That's why... I preach, and sometimes I'm going a little crazy sitting at my table by the octagon next to the Red Corners crew when I get frustrated when I see fighters don't throw jabs. The jab is one of the greatest weapons to set up every move known to man in mixed martial arts, as well as in boxing. And then, you know, he does that, and and he has the ability, TJ, like Fred, like Chuck Liddell was so great at, and other great fighters, even boxers like Sugar Ray Robinson, to punch backing up. To be able to throw as you're moving backwards. This is a key skill not shared by every fighter. And a very key skill in the arsenal of a fighter. Right. Especially on their way to championship status like Brian Ortega. And and I think Ortega's ability to recognize the situation that he was in. Because let's be honest, Brian Ortega isn't necessarily a fighter that does a lot of backing up. He's he's diverse, though. He was able to make that uh, correction. And, you know... I don't want to take anything away from the uppercut because it was brutal. It was devastating and it was very, very powerful. But when it comes to knocking out your opponent, a lot of times fighters say it's not necessarily how hard I hit you. It's it's hitting you in the precise point when you least expect it. And I think that's really what happened with Frankie Edgar because Frankie was overextended when he took the final shot. He, He didn't expect to get hit the way he did. And his head rocked backward. No doubt about it. I mean, it was a hard punch, but even if that punch was halved, I think, in its its output, I still think it was going to probably put Frankie to sleep because of the preceding punches uh, that led up to that moment, but but also just the precision in which it hit. 
Agreed. And let's not forget about the elbow that preceded. Oh my the god, uppercut. how beautiful was it? <laughs> like sta- I, I love standing elbows. Standing elbows are my my favorite uh, strike in mixed martial arts. And when they're done Mine at too. space, the way that Mine Brian too. Ortega did it, I mean, it's one thing to land a standing elbow when you have you know a clinch up against the fence, or you know you have a plum clinch, a tie clinch, and you you land the elbow on the break. It's another thing to counter with a standing elbow the way that Brian Ortega did, like. Things have to slow down like the matrix for you to land that and, and to land it with, with confidence. I mean, th- there's that old saying, you have to sit down on your punches. Um, Brian Ortega had a, a, a strike thrown at him, and he evaded it and landed that elbow with 100% you know, uh, maximum power. All, all the power that he could have landed that elbow with, uh, he did. And if, if you're another fighter that maybe is a, a bit more jumpy, a, a bit more... Uh, you know, fidgety and, and maybe reactive to what your opponent is throwing, you may still land that strike, but you don't land it with the efficiency that Brian Ortega did. Absolutely. You know, and again, I'd, I can't say enough about, you know, Brian for many more reasons outside of his fighting skills. I love hearing about his charity. I love hearing about him giving back. I'm serious in my efforts to anything for the kids. I'll get involved in anything to help kids get on the straight and narrow and, 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 you know, everything you can do to help them grow up strong and honest and proper in this world that <laughs> in this decaying world of morality and everything we're facing, it's very, it's just very enlightening to see all this and hear all this. So with that being said, as we're going under the stories, I want to say one thing about Brian too. I watched a documentary last night about my old friend, the great legendary actor, movie star, Steve McQueen called Steve McQueen, American Icon. And one of the things that they focus on, or you know, they talk about in this really, is Steve was known as Mr. Cool, but they called him the King of Cool. I'm telling you, Brian Ortega is on his way to being the King of Cool as the UFC fighter potential champion that he will, I believe, be someday. Um, whether it's against Max Holloway or not, that remains to be seen. May the best man win that night. But I'm going to go on to other news here, but I'm just going to say it one last time. It's, a, it's fighters like Brian Ortega that fuel my fire. Thank you again for the third time on the show. That's all I got to say, TJ. I, I'm, I'm just, it's good for me. I need that in my life. Yeah, I mean, you, you, we, we you, all, you understand? Do you understand sure, what I mean by that? Bruce, we yeah. all need to be inspired. And, yeah. and, and fighters and athletes like Brian Ortega, I mean, when you've been in this sport as, as long as you have, you know, 20 plus years, uh, I'm not going to say that mixed martial arts ever gets old, but... You know, when you do anything for a long period of time, I mean, talk talk to anybody that is in a long-term committed relationship, whether it's with another human being or a job or a passion, a hobby, whatever, there needs to be new things, offshoots from that initial thing that keep you hungry, that keep you wanting it uh, more. If that's with a human being, you know, that, that you, you experience new things together. You go out and you... Uh, like anything that becomes monotonous, I'm sorry, is just something that you're going to lose passion for. Uh, when it comes to a job, you know, you, you push yourself, you challenge yourself. When it comes to mixed martial arts, I think it's, it's falling in love with storylines that maybe aren't necessarily always present. And, and Brian Ortega is not a fighter that comes around every year. This is the type of fighter. And again, he has a lot to prove still. But, you know, if, if you're able to buy in right now on, on the Brian Ortega stock, uh, you might want to buy it up now because odds are, even if he goes out and loses to Max Holloway, he's so young still, um, and he has a lot of experience. So at the same time, uh, I, I believe that we're going to see Brian Ortega fight for multiple UFC titles, uh, even if he doesn't come up uh, victorious in, in this first opportunity. But you know, Brian Ortega, it's it's hard to pick against a kid. 
I, I agree. And also, too, he's a class act. Um, it's refreshing. I don't think we're ever going to really, unless it's an emotional moment, hear a curse word come out of him in an interview or otherwise. He's going to be an upstanding role model for the MMA fighters coming up. And it's refreshing. And I think we've pretty much praised him as much as we can and deservingly so. So right. it's a pleasure to have Brian on the show today. Let's go over some news stories here. Let's do it. Uh, the gun issues. The gun issues, you know, due to the uh, recent rash of school shootings and everything else have been a couple of self, uh, uh, how do I say this, um, movements by retail stores on their own to help before the government and the current administration makes any changes in the gun laws like we discussed in the past. I don't believe that AR-15s, even though I own an assault rifle, I'll be happy to give it back if it ever comes down that we cannot own AR-15s if we're not military or police in this country. I have no problem with that. Um, you know, and it's not that I'm saying stop guns. I, I collect guns. I believe in home protection. I believe in the right to bear arms. But to uh, prelude what I'm about to say, the rules need to change on a uniform level across the country we discussed before. So here's what happened. Um, Walmart took it upon themselves to raise the age of firearm purchases, which was 18 to 21. Kudos to Walmart. They made a little change there. Is it going to change anything happening? That remains to be seen. As a result, there was an issue where a 20-year-old Oregon man has filed separate lawsuits against Dick's Sporting Goods and Walmart, accusing the retailers of age discrimination for not selling him a rifle. And the age limit to buy a firearm legally in, in Oregon is 18, but they're not going to sell an assault rifle. Dick's Sporting Goods has raised its age limit purchases for firearms, also to 21, after the February 4th mass shooting at Parkwood, Florida High School. Um, Walmart said now that they will only sell guns and ammunition to people over 21, and that Dick Sporting Goods is also going to stop, stop selling assault-style rifles or taking them off the shelves. So that's their own, this is a movement by a corporation, a business, to do what they think is the right thing to do, whether it's publicity for them to get more sales or not. That's besides the point. The fact is they made a move in what they consider to be the right direction. I'm reporting the news now. I'm not saying that I'm agreeing with it. What I'm doing is reporting it. But it's interesting, isn't it, TJ? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I, I if you're legally allowed to own an assault rifle, I don't have a problem with you doing so. I personally, I'm conflicted with their existence and their ability to uh, end up in the hands of citizens, but you know the the laws are the way they are right now. And if you're a law-abiding citizen, you can pass you know the proper qualifications. I believe you have the right to own those guns. Um, I think we're moving towards uh, some regulation that will either outlaw a lot of those weapons uh, outright, or you know further um, make it difficult to get your hands on those weapons. And I'm fully 100 percent on board with really either of those. And we can, you know, you and I have debated that topic uh, over and over again. And, and if anybody wants us to do it again, I'm sure we will. Uh, even if they don't want us to do it again, I'm, I'm sure we will with our modern climate. But uh, if, if a store wants to limit the access to those types of weapons to their clientele, uh, they're allowed to do that. Well, I, I got an email. I don't have it in front of me, but it was basically from a, a listener claiming that um, I shouldn't put down the NRA the right to bear arms, you know, my viewpoints. And when John McCarthy was on the show, he was, he was uh, questioning John's and my opinion about things. A little misunderstanding there. I was not saying the NRA should go out of business. I'm not saying the NRA should oh, stop. I, I think they I, should, I, they're important. 
They're very important. They're very, they're very important. Yeah. They're very important. The NRA is a very important, strong, um, you know, entity in mm-hmm. this country. So I'm not saying that. All to clarify, that show with John McCarthy, you and I, was to clarify the importance of background checks and avoiding situations where people that have been reported to be mentally unstable right. have records. They just should not be able to access right. a firearm like this seven or excuse me, nineteen year old uh boy did in the case of the Parkland, Florida high school shooting. Right. We need to do everything we can to prevent that. That's what that show was all about. So I, I mean no no putting so let me finish. No yeah. putting down to the NRA Go ahead, do it, NRA. What I did say, though, is the NRA gives so much money to one side of the political, you know, the Republican-Democrat side. And what I did say on the show is that when gun laws come up, the Republicans don't vote for the gun laws. Right. Okay? Now, whether the NRA gives money to the Democrats doesn't matter. The Democrats do, the Republicans don't, because that supports the NRA more than anything, as the NRA supports them. Yeah, I think the problem comes down to where we are in this country right now. Either, I mean, here's the thing. Either you love Donald Trump or you hate Donald Trump, and I don't think that's right. I don't think it's right either way. We no one is is tr- is dead red or true blue in this country. I really don't believe that. I think that we argue that way. I think the news media is that way. But if you sit down and and are honest with yourself about every single issue in this country, you probably find yourself to be a purple mess. Okay, you're probably in the middle on some things. Um, if you're conservative, it doesn't necessarily mean that you absolutely adore guns. If you're liberal, liberal, it doesn't mean you absolutely hate guns. I'm pretty liberal. I mean, I, I'm much further to the left than I am anything else. And I adore guns. I like guns. I've owned guns. I've shot guns. I've grown up hunting, uh, you know, my entire, you know, life up until, uh, probably my, my thirties. And when I, I look at the NRA and some of the things that they do, I think is a result of extremism. You have to subscribe to either one side of the aisle or, you know, you subscribe to the other. And I, I don't think that is necessarily right. Uh, what what the, the NRA has done in certain areas, I think, is maybe a poor choice of, of actions. Maybe it's effective. They've raised awareness. Uh, you know, they've, they've fought, you know, for what they believe in. But uh, I just feel that sometimes tact and maybe what is appropriate and, and what isn't appropriate sometimes gets thrown out the window to prove that point. And I, I really think that, you know, you have to ask the question is, is the identity of your organization to people that disagree with you worth furthering their sort of uh, prejudice by, you know, going out and doing some of the things that they've done? But uh, I think they are important. I think you do need gun lobbyists, et cetera. But uh, it's how you perform and how you execute that that is drawn into question for me with the NRA over and over again. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny you're mentioning Donald. I'm with you. You're mentioning Donald Trump. And I had read a couple of his tweets recently. He made a tweet. I can't say it verbatim, but it was something about how if he retired right now, it would be, uh, left the presidency right now it would be OK because he's done the greatest job of any president the first year in office. I'm, I'm glad to think that you feel that way, uh, President Trump. That's just not true. And that, <laughs> it's just unbelievable. Well, I mean, even, I mean e- even if you're a Trump supporter, you can't say that's true. You can't. No, you can't. You no, can't. Nor, nor can I say that if I don't like Trump that I, I can't say he's the worst president we've ever had either. It's been a year no, no, to no. change. You know what I mean? Like, you don't really know if you're a good president until a few years after you leave office. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not Sam Phillips here. I'm not a huge Trump fan, though. And uh I don't know. I just this this I it really feels a lot like like alpha bros. Do you know what I mean? Like like guys that are 
going out of their way to sort of puff out their chest and, and draw attention to themselves. And, and to me, more often than not, that's sort of a sign of them trying to make up for something that is lacking right. in their life. To me, that's what Donald Trump's doing right now. I mean, he has a poor approval rating. He's screaming and hollering how great he is. He's constantly talking about, you know, how anything he does is so amazing. Let your work speak for itself. I mean, I don't know. He already hired like his campaign manager for his reelection. Like, uh, that's ridiculous. I don't I don't. It just seems like it's a uh, it seems like it's a show more than anything, Buff. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I got to find one more. I read of his. Uh, he was commenting on the Oscars. And if I can find this, if you can help me real quick. Well, why uh, why is he commenting on, on the Oscars? Like that's, he that's, said, he said something along the lines, and I've lost the tweet. I just had it that the Oscars had its lowest uh, viewing uh, ratings ever with this show, and one of the reasons is there's no star. Oh, here it is: lowest rated Oscars in history, capitalized. Problem is, we don't have stars anymore except your president. And then he goes, parenthesis, just kidding, of course, exclamation point. You're not kidding, President Trump. No. He, I mean, <laughs> You're not kidding. <laughs> you, you know what that sounds like? I hate to say it. It sounds a lot like something Conor McGregor would say. And and Conor McGregor's a promoter. You know what I mean? He's a promoter of himself. And, and, and when Conor says stuff like that, people love it. People eat it up. Other people I, don't like it, um, but they still put down the money to, to, to watch him fight. I feel like Donald Trump's Conor McGregor. <laughs> oh my god that'll be the the change of the western world holy jeez well let's talk okay you mentioned the oscars so i watched the oscars i don't know if you did i actually enjoyed the oscars uh with the, my enjoyment came from the montage shots of past oscars and past history because you know what a a film buff i am so congratulations to everybody that won the oscar one of the uh best or excuse me the best actress winner was Frances mcdormand uh, for her fine film that she starred in called Three Billboards, which she had a lot to do more more with than just being a star. Some criminals are really friggin' stupid, TJ. <laughs> They're at the after party, right? Okay, and this guy named Terry Bryant, right? Her Oscar's on the table. As when I'm gathering information here, he grabbed her Oscar right off her table at the governor's ball, took a picture of himself holding it, put it out on social media, Okay, and then the security was alerted, and so he brought attention to himself for stealing the Oscar, and in turn, he's been arrested for felony grand theft. People just want to be famous for being famous for all the wrong reasons right. at times these days, and this just, it doesn't grind my gears. It doesn't surprise me. It's just, it's just stupid. Yeah. You know, s some people are just friggin' stupid, well, what do you, what I mean, what do you parlay that into? Like, that, that's what I'm curious about. Like, sure, you go out there and get your quote-unquote 15 minutes of fame. What good does it do you if you're unable to capitalize off of it? Because we live in a society now, there's a hell of a lot of people that are notable, okay? And there's a big difference between uh, being notable and being famous. We've talked about this time and time again. I, I yeah. don't think there are a lot of famous people anymore. At least I don't think that we're, we're creating them maybe in the numbers that generations in the past have. But... Famous for true talent. Right. Well, not even famous for true talent. Famous. Or doing true things. Famous, I mean, yeah. I, I, got, I mean, got. here's the thing. Famous or, or even infamous. I don't think we have a lot of infamous people anymore. It's because stupid things like this are just inundating your timeline, thrown in your face over and over again. Something stupid like this doesn't surprise me anymore, but I, I just sit here and I go, well, like, what are you doing? Like, what is the end goal here? You know how this I, ends. Not well. 
No, well, you know what it ends with? Room and board, three hot meals a day, shower with a bunch of other inmates, don't drop the soap. What can I tell you? There you go. Yeah. That's, I, what, he, that's what he's got to look forward to however long he gets to experience it. Congrats. Enjoy, enjoy the tuxedo you wore that night and the Oscar that was not yours in your hand and your stupid social media post because you're just well, an idiot. You're also never going to find yourself in that situation again. You're never going to be allowed back. Not going to make any money out of it. No. Now, how are you gonna, now if, if the media today makes allows some avenue for this guy to make money for doing something that was criminally... No, wrong? No, 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 I don't think that so. We really got something wrong in this country. Speaking of criminally wrong, I don't do not know what's going on. And I'm not saying anything wrong with the San Bernardino area, but you know that, that story that was about a month ago uh, with that horrific couple that raised those some 13 children. Yeah, in Paris. Chained to their beds. In, in Paris, Paris uh, yeah. California. Well, now they just have another incident. Parents were arrested, okay, last Wednesday when sheriff deputies were conducting a, just an area check, right? And they came upon a large rectangular box made of plywood. They had their three children living in the box near mounds of trash and mounds of human feces. There were also 30 to 40 cats inside the travel trailer roaming what? freely. The kids are 11, 13, and 14. The plywood box they've been living in for four years, measured 20 feet, four feet high, 10 feet wide. What the heck? I, I, I don't know. Um, the parents are 51, the woman, and 73, the man, Mona Kirk and Daniel Panico. Arrested on charges of willful cruelty to a child. Bail set low at $100,000. Um, no yep. other word than disgusting. I can't say anything no. else. Just disgusting. No. Disgusting. I, and, I, and I think that bail's probably set that low because, honestly, what are they going to do? Mortgage their box? Uh, they're not going to get out. It's not like the uh, other family that I think bail was set at like a million plus or something like that. I, I don't know. I, you're a sick, demented sociopath if you think you can treat children that way. Horrible. One more horrible story before we go on to a couple of light stories, okay? South African triathlete Malengi Gwala, right? He was approached by three men who we thought were going to rob him. They stopped him. He gave him his, his phone. They w didn't want his phone. They didn't want his watch. They didn't want his bicycle. They dragged him to the side of the road. Okay, this is a South African triathlete. Okay, we know what he has to do to be maintain triathlete status. They took him to the side of the road, TJ. They pulled out a saw, and they started cutting off his leg. When they hit the bone, the saw wasn't sharp enough. They couldn't get any further. They started sawing off his other leg. Oh he was due to compete in the South African National Championships this month. What the hell? Seriously. We're getting stories, and, and maybe these stories have happened like this our entire lives, but you know the way the media is set up, these stories just keep getting more frequent and more and more horrific. Just, just crazy. Um, let's go to some light stuff now. I, I hope this gentleman recovers. They say he'll recover. He'll be able to walk and run again, but it's going to be a long walk to recovery, not counting the, the mental issues oh, he's going to deal with. Oh yeah. my God. I just, it's just so horrific. It just, don't even get me started on what should be done to those guys. Um, as usual with me, but, um, light, do you have, do you ever, do you have the doorbell ring? The ring do I do in my house? Uh, oh, you know, the much, one with the, the camera? Yeah. No, I do not. I've thought about getting it over and over and over again. And at this point, uh, I think it's it's sheer laziness that I, I don't have it. Um, uh -huh. But, yeah, no, I, I need to do that. Actually, I'm going to write that down. I'm going to go get one here this week. It is. It, it works fantastic. You can add other uh, cameras to it. It records on your iPhone. You know, just you have all that in your in your backup system. If God forbid anything goes wrong. OK, so the man 
that made it, its creator, Jamie uh, Semenov, right? He was on Shark Tank with showing the ring, right? At the time he went on Shark Tank, he had less than a million dollars in sales. Wow. None of the sharks went for it. Really? He since, on being on Shark Tank, has sold roughly $1.4 billion in business. And as a result, uh, he just uh, lucked out Amazon has paid him on roughly a billion dollars for his product that they left through their hands. Wow. That's an amazing uh, success. I love this. That's an amazing success story. Yeah. Um, Mr. Perfect uh, was not perfect on that one, huh? No, they say uh, Kevin O'Leary, um, you know, he realized that he missed out, you know, it's one of the big ones. So it just goes to show you, Shark Tank's one of my favorite shows. And, you know, I know I know all the sharks. I met the... Um, I've, I've met them, but I know Mark and, and uh, Robert Herjavec is a friend. And, and yep. you know, I, we've I, had Dave him on the John show. We've had Damon John on the show. Yeah. They're all, they're all great guys. But, you yep. know, you sit back, you look at this, you don't know what's going to work till it works. Right. Um, but boy, that's one to let slip through your fingers. Speaking of another one, you know how Peyton Manning is always doing uh, the commercials for Papa John's Pizza? Yeah. Well, he owns 31 of them, but he owns them no more. Uh, Papa John's Pizza is not, from what I read before, if I'm not mistaken on this, they're not going to be um, a sponsor. Uh, on the NFL because the NFL now has switched to Pizza Hut. Since this made, uh, Peyton has sold his 31 Papa John pizza shops to another franchisee. Probably made some very good money out of that. And now people think that Peyton Manning, what is he going to do after football? You know, he's been doing a lot of commercials and, you know, representing as a spokesperson. But ESPN looks like they're going to pick him up or Fox Sports will pick him up. And the prediction is that Peyton Manning could make $10 million a year as a commentator. And that's where he's going after his football career. Good for Peyton Manning. Um, why not make all the money you can get, right? No, without a doubt. Um, you know, it's hard to stay relevant when you're no longer playing. And no offense to Peyton Manning, uh, I never thought of him really as charismatic as as I think he's shown himself to be uh, on the Papa John's commercials. So if he's able to get out there and and you know be able to command uh, attention and, and captivate people, uh, by all means, go for it. Up, up, up is on your side. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't get that out of my head when I see one of those commercials. Oh, yeah. uh, cu- couple last little tidbits here. We were talking about our cartoon. Excuse me. We are talking about our president. <laughs> pardon me. This is going to come out wrong. Our cartoon president? Well, I, I didn't mean to say it that way because come there's on. a T. What I was going to talk about is there's a TV show uh-huh. that has now been released. TJ, I could not stop laughing from beginning to end. On one end, I'm being entertained on the other is kind of tragic because Stephen Colbert has produced a show, an animated show called Our Cartoon President. This is where we've come to, TJ. We have a president in office which has generated a TV show that is called Our Cartoon President, which I think is on Showtime. I forget exactly where. But anyway, um, you've got to check that yourselves out there, listeners. <clears throat> check it out. It's hilarious. I mean, the way they depict Ivanka, his sons. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I can't. I don't want to spoil it by explaining it. I just think everybody should take a look at this one time. Uh, but this has never been done before. We don't have cartoons made about our president. There might be single pictures and, right. and newspapers here and there. But, you know, this is where we're at. I, I, heard, they, I heard they called it our cartoon president because the annoying orange was already taken. You don't, <laughs> Do you get that joke? Gotcha. All right, thank you. Thank because you. of his facial. Yeah. Right, right. But there's already a cartoon named the annoying orange. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, is, is it worth watching or no? No, absolutely not. It's it's terrible, and my kid watches it, and it's uh, it's not undersold. It's pretty damn annoying. Okay, gotcha. One last note here. TJ, the pets that you've had in your life, um, whoever 
decided how long dogs and cats live was not completely fair. Uh, the average dog and cat usually live to 10 to 15 years. Um, they become our children, everything else. Have you ever thought of cloning an animal to, so that you could re-raise that same animal again? Have you ever thought about that? No, because I don't believe that you're re-raising the same animal. Uh, animals and human beings and personalities are products of our surroundings, not so much our genetics. I think, it, I think genetics and maybe demeanor has something to do with it. But if you have the same cat three times over, uh, I don't think you're necessarily going to have the same uh, mannered cat each time. I can't, I can't answer that because I've never had that experience. But for, the, for our listeners listening, they can clone animals now. And one of the examples that's out there is uh, the famous uh, singer-actress Barbara Streisand. Uh, actually, when she lost her dog, um, she had her dog cloned into two other dogs. So she actually has two cloned dogs of her past dog uh, named Samantha, the original pup from which they were made, and she's raising them again. And it's a very interesting thing. I'd, I'd, I'd be very interested in knowing if they are exactly the same There's and how no well way. that cloning works. I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I just do not know, and I would suspect that you're correct. I just don't know if you want to do that. To me, that's kind of playing God a little bit too much. And like, if you are able to have the same dog over and over again or cat or whatever it is, will it always feel the exact same? And, and, and if it does, one part of you feel sort of guilty because at what point do you just go, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead. I, I'm, I don't really like this dog anymore. I really liked it when it was a puppy. So, you know what? I'm just going to keep cloning this dog. And every time it's no longer a puppy, I'll ship it off to somewhere else and we'll start over again. Like that would, yeah, I don't know. It's a slippery slope. It's a very slippery slope. I can't comment because I haven't had the experience. I just wish, you know, thinking about my two last animals that lived to 19, I just wish they could live to 50. You know, it's just, they, there's Rudyard Kipling, the great poet whose poem, If I Carry in My Wallet, as I wrote about in my book, wrote a poem for those out there that are poem minded or would like to check it. It's called To Give Your Heart to a Dog to Tear. Oh, God, it's a very rough poem to read if you're an animal lover and you've had experience with animals. But that's the beauty of loving and having your animals who do become like children for many, if not all, that have them. So on that note, I hope everybody loves your animals. Have a great day with them, your friends, your family. Love to all. TJ, anything you want to tell us before we go? You got anything coming up in, before next week? Uh, no, nothing uh, Nothing really to uh, tell people other than check out uh, all my work at patreon.com forward slash between rounds. Nice little one-stop shop for all your things related to mixed martial arts. And, uh, yeah, I'm over there. Come join me. Follow me on Twitter at TJ DeSantis. Fantastic. And I've got some exciting news to tell you, TJ. Oh, uh, for those of you that follow me on Instagram, Bruce Buffer UFC, I have a number of things happening over the next year I'll be making announcements for, but I teased this weekend at UFC 222, which was an awesome show, in my opinion. I thought it was very exciting um, in many ways. And again, have you ever, I, we, we forgot one thing, stepping back, have you ever seen Joe Rogan or any fighter interviewed lying in the prone position? as Joe did with Sean O'Malley on Saturday night. No. Who, thank God, has not broken his foot. He's just got a badly injured foot. Thank God it's not broken from all reports. I've never seen that. Kudos to Joe for handling that the way he did. Kudos to Sean O'Malley. And you know what? We saw Brian Ortega. We saw Chris Cyborg. We saw Sean O'Malley. This kid's a comer. He's got a lot of charisma. And the power and precision with which he fights, I was completely impressed, TJ. Were you? Yeah, um, his his opponent Andre Sakamuta, 
he could have won that fight if he would have just stood up. He's got to be kicking himself a little bit. But uh, now, great fight. Uh, excited to see O'Malley continue his progression inside the UFC. And you know, I don't know if they're going to bring back that contender series again. Uh, I hope they do. Uh, but this, the, he is the shining uh, crown jewel of that effort on Fight Pass, and it's nice to see him uh, find this sort of success inside the octagon. Absolutely agree. So what happened is after the show, I'm going to give it a little uh, hint, if not tell you what's happening. Steve Aoki, the uh, probably one of the most famous DJs in the world, who does not stop working. The guy following him on Instagram is like 10, 10 dates, 10 cities from Europe to China to Texas in two weeks to where he came into Vegas on Saturday. Um, some special filming was done Saturday, which I went and did after the uh, show right to the studio with him. Um, because we're working on a project together, and we debuted what will be known to everybody. It's coming out soon, the It's Time song. Making a little announcement oh, here. Yep, making I a little like announcement. It. Can we, can we use it on the show when it comes out? I'm sure we'll be able to, no question. I'll, I'll give all that. We're just finishing up a couple of key points. Um, video otherwise, that's all I'm going to hint about. But we test debuted the song Saturday night at Hakkasan, Steve and I together which he put on his Instagram, and I, I teased about on my Instagram. But the word's out. Okay, there'll be a formal announcement made, but I'm just telling everybody, well, right. get ready. You, a you, little, you've little, music, little music thing with, little music thing with uh, Team Aoki and Team Buffer. We have teamed up together, and he is a fantastic guy. He's, he's so cool. And, man, he does not stop. TJ, his set is over 90 minutes. He does not stop jumping up and down for 90 minutes, whether he's on the dais taking a five-foot jump to get back in front of the booth or whether he's just standing in place. And when our song was playing, I'm happy to say that my knee is strong because all I did was jump up and down oh. for, like, for like two minutes with Steve holding arms and just uh -oh. getting everybody going in the club. So are we going to see the return of Air Buffer? No. Oh, okay. All right. Unless I, unless I lose it one night and don't think about it. No, it's all good. I like I like the move I'm doing now when I say it's time. It's comfortable. Oh, I like know? it. So. I like it too. I'm just saying, you know, maybe every once in a while, quick little hop. You never know. Never, never say never. All never right. say never. If you see Buffer get air, that's when you know it's a big night. <laughs> hey, by the way, I, all, lo I love the. It's suit. always a big night. I love the suit this uh, this past weekend. I even commented on Twitter. You're probably yeah, too busy I saw to that. notice, but no, yeah, no, no, I loved it. I loved it. Really, no, really nice it. suit. Nice color combination. Thank you. Yeah, and it's really cool. And as a matter of fact, I've got a meeting with my uh, exclusive tailors at My King and Bay tomorrow. They just sent me 12 new designs, fabric designs, and we're going to start working on all the outfits for this year and going into oh, wow. 2019. I'm pretty excited. I think I'm going to have to get a bigger closet soon. But you know what? There's a lot worse problems to have. Yeah, no, I, and, heard, uh, uh, I heard this guy. I don't know. I can't remember his name. He, he calls fights for Invicta. Um, if, if they ever wanted to help him out, I'm sure he'd be cool with maybe talking to him. Anything could be erased, TJ. So why don't you talk to me after the show, and I'll make the connection for you. It can all be done. Uh, not for me. So, it's for the Invicta guy. I don't, I don't know. Aren't you the Invicta commentator? Oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. Aren't you the Sorry, man right. that commentates Invicta? Sorry. EBI? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Soon right. to be other announcements to be made That's as your commentating career grows and grows and grows? I hope so. I know so. It's all happening. It's all coming together. I'll let it happen organically. And with organic, the uh, voiceover, special recordings I've done for your championship intros, the weddings. TJ, I had a, I had an amazing thing. It it really touched Kristen and I. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say goodbye here after this. But I I met a young boy and his dad at a show. Mm -hmm. They contacted us afterwards to buy the championship audio introduction, um, which Kristen and I talked, and 
it was a special birthday for this young man. I was filming videos the other day, so I went ahead and did his championship introduction on video. His dad sent me back a video where he surprised his son, filming him, not knowing he's going to be watching, where his son watched the video of me introducing him for his birthday, getting tears in his eyes. Uh, it was it was very emotional for me to watch it. It's this is why I give part of the fees I receive back to animal children and military charities. This is why I even do what I do. I get these thank you notes and I see these kind of reactions and just like talking to fine young upstanding men like Brian Ortega, this is what drives me. It's not always about the paycheck, TJ. It's about touching people's hearts in a lot of ways. And and I was able to touch this young man's heart with the emphasis and direction of Kristen and uh, his father, and it just made me very happy. So keep sending in those those championship intros, your birthdays, your weddings, the birth of babies, your corporate events, whatever it is, I'm happy to help everybody, and we make it all worthwhile here at brucebuffer.com. Just go there and do it. With that being said, TJ, really good show today. Great to have Brian on. Looking forward to next week. I do leave for London next uh, Wednesday night, so we will have an It's Time show next week. And everybody, have a great week. Treat everybody around you with respect. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Be a role model to your sphere of influence. Set your goals. Write them down. Pick your path. Be the best you can be on that path because life is about winning, and that's what we talk about on It's Time Radio. It's time to win, folks. We'll be back next week. Bye out. The preceding podcast was a TJ DeSantis production. Comments, questions, and inquiries can be directed to desantisprod at gmail.com.